Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number two of Genesis chapter four. And we're going to read the first several verses, beginning in verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from Jehovah. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto Jehovah. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And Jehovah had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now, um, here God is um, telling us of the birth of Cain and Abel to Adam and Eve, and also of an eventual offering that they both would bring to God. One was an offering, Cain's, was um, of the fruit of the ground. The other was the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof, by Abel. Now, you'll find that some theologians speculate and, and they conclude that, um, God had respect to Abel's offering because it involved a, a sacrificial animal. But God did not have respect to Cain's offering because it was of the fruit of the ground. It, it was a different type of offering. God wanted to illustrate, these theologians say, that the sacrificial system or the sacrifice would point to Christ. And so he accepted Abel's, but did not accept Cain's. And the theologians are incorrect. They're, they're wrong. No, that's not why God accepted Abel's offering and did not accept Cain's offering. The Bible lays out um both types of offerings there's there's meat offering um which would come forth from the ground and there is animal sacrifice burn offering but but both are acceptable and and as a matter of fact the the occupation of Cain he was a tiller of the ground is the same occupation of his father Adam that God assigned to him as he sent him forth to till the ground from whence he was taken. So there was nothing wrong with the the type of offering of either man. That's the first thing we should understand. Now, um, but before we get into that, let's take a look at this whole spiritual picture. We know the historical story. We understand that Cain and Abel were brothers, 
uh, born to Adam and Eve, the, the first two sons, and at the time of this offering, Cain was envious of his brother because his brother's offering was respected by God, accepted. His own offering was not respected, and this made him envious, jealous, and angry. And in his his anger, he slew his brother. He killed Abel. And it was the first murder on record in the Bible, physical murder, that that we read of. And yes, that's the historical story. But the Bible's a spiritual book. And we, we have to look for the spiritual dimension, the deeper gospel meaning. And we know Adam is a figure of Christ. Eve can be a picture of the bride of Christ and also of the mother Jerusalem above and and um she's the mother of all living or as galatians says of sarah which identifies with jerusalem above she's the mother of us all referring to the elect but here eve conceives and gives birth to cain and abel abel was a righteous man and if Eve had just given birth to Abel, we would see that picture. Oh, she's the mother of us all. She's the mother of the elect. And and so Abel is one of those elect, because the Bible makes that clear. But Cain, without question, is not one of the elect of God. He, he is... Um, an unsaved man. There, there's uh, just no doubt about it. If we look at uh, Jude, the New Testament book of Jude, it's just the one chapter epistle that appears right before Revelation. In Jude, it says, beginning in verse 10, But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally, as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees, whose fruit withereth without fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. This is a condemnation of false prophets, of uh, those that that are far from the kingdom of heaven. And, and that's why God says in verse 11 of Jude, Woe unto them! For they have gone in the way of Cain. The way of Cain. And, and that's not a good way. That, that's a way that leads to destruction. It's not the narrow way of the Lord Jesus, but it's the broad way. And it, it's the way of the unsaved. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, By faith... 
Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Well, there we learn of Abel that he offered his offering um, the sacrifice by faith, and he obtained witness that he was righteous, which means that Cain did not offer by faith. Cain was not righteous. God doesn't say that about him. In First John chapter 3, it says, just, just to get some of the context, beginning in verse 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Well, we we can see that there's no question at all that Cain was not saved, as God says that um, he was of that wicked one. And who would that be? Satan. Remember what Jesus told the Jews. Ye are of your father the devil. And they protested, but it is a fact that the ungodly, the unsaved people of the world who pursue sin, they, they, they believe the lie. They prefer iniquity. They are of spiritually their father, the devil. Now, God's elect, those that have become saved, are of God himself, the heavenly father. And, and so there's spiritually, you can either be of God the Father, where he has begotten you through his word, the gospel, or of Satan, where you're in your sin. And, uh, of course, in in the time when God was saving, there was also an in-between state, that is, for the, the fatherless or the orphan, because in uh, paying for the sins of uh, the elect from the foundation of the world, that meant they would not be of their father, the devil, yet until these individuals heard the gospel, until the set time, the appointed time that God would apply his word to their heart and save them, and then they would be born again and have God as their father, yet until that time in the life of every elect during the period when they were children of wrath, even as others, or during the drawing process, they were fatherless. But but here, as God is speaking of Cain, he's not fatherless. He's of the wicked one. 
he is an unsaved person because God never took his sins. Jesus did not elect Cain to salvation, which means Cain had his sins always upon him, making him unrighteous and of the devil. And it's not so with Abel. Again and again, God speaks of the righteousness of Abel. We saw it in the Hebrews verse, and it says here that his own works, his brothers, um, uh, Cain's works were evil, but his brothers righteous. That would be Abel. It also says in in Matthew chapter 23, in verse 35, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Righteous Abel. So the spiritual condition of these two boys, these two sons, is well known, well documented in the Bible. God wants us to know. He He wants us to be clear about this. Cain was of the wicked one, and Abel was righteous. Cain was not saved. Abel was a child of God. And it is very clear. Now, why would God want that to be so well-known, so obvious? Well, because... Um, with Adam and Eve conceiving these two sons. It is a picture of what will take place on the earth um, really throughout all time. This is the case. There's saved and unsaved. But especially it's true within Israel of old and especially it's true within the New Testament corporate church. And Remember, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, established the New Testament church. It was God's program to create, to organize, to form churches and congregations. And God was fully aware that within the church would be saved and unsaved. For instance, it says in Second Peter chapter 2, in verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Now, uh, notice that language where God is making reference to false prophets, false teachers who bring in damnable heresies. They deny the Lord. And that means they they aren't saved. There's no way they're saved. Yet it says denying the Lord that bought them, bought them, redeemed them. And how is that possible? Well, it's possible because in establishing the church, it is as though Christ established the whole corporate entity. And yes, within it, there were the elect of God, but there were also 
many that were not elect of God. And the Lord really focuses on that, teaches that in the parable of the wheat and the tares. In Matthew 13, it says in verse 24, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So an enemy sowed tares amongst the wheat. The enemy is Satan. Satan's the enemy. And and so the tares are of the wicked one, just as Cain was of the wicked one. But the wheat, the wheat identifies with the righteous. And within the church, within the New Testament corporate body, were the wheat and the tares. And they were to grow together until a set time, until the time of harvest. But until that time, God gave instructions. You are not to try and pull up the tares unless you harm some of the wheat. And, and you, you're not permitted, you're not allowed to separate the wheat and the tares until we get to harvest. And at the time of harvest, instruction will be given concerning the tares. That will be the time of separation. And, and we know that, that all this language of, of the wheat and the tares and the final separation relates to God's uh, plan for the end of the church age, for the command that would come forth from the Bible, which was uh, really a command that set in motion the process of separation from the wheat and the tares. The, the command was, depart out, flee to the mountain. Come out of the church and, and go to God Himself and His Word, the Bible. Uh, you, you cannot stay in the church any longer. This is the commandment from God. And God's elect, being given ears to hear, would hear and recognize the voice of the Lord and obey. And, and so the wheat was was coming out of the church, the tares were remaining behind, and finally, by May 21, 2011, the process was complete, the separation was finished, and the tares were bundled within the corporate church. All that remained by that time 
because that was the end of the Great Tribulation, the end of God's salvation program. All that remained behind in the church were of the enemy. They were the tares. And and so the the separation of God was finished. But but here in Genesis chapter four, we have Adam and Eve, Christ and Jerusalem, and, and in this case, since Cain is of the wicked one and Abel is righteous, Eve would be a picture of both Jerusalems, Jerusalem above, who's the mother of Abel, and Jerusalem, um, which is now upon the earth, the corporate church, who Cain would correspond to. He, he's of Agar, of the law. And both are born into the same family, and, and both um, have the name Christian, we would say, and and both grow up together again. They they were born. Cain was the older, and Cain would have been a toddler, and then a, a little boy, and then a a young man, a teenager, and and then into his twenties. And Abel would have followed. So they grew together, just like the wheat and the tares grew in the field. Cain and Abel grew up together and there, there was no separation between them. You, you could not have foretold, of course God knew, but man could not have foretold Cain would be the wicked one. Abel would be the righteous one in looking at them. They, they were probably very similar, very nice boys, nice teenagers, nice young men, but in the process of time, God let it be known that he required an offering. And and this was something that God has revealed to them, maybe through their parents. I don't know how God did it, but he let it be known. And this is all connected to what God did for Adam and Eve and slaying the animal and, and covering them. And there, there needs to be an offering because you have sinned. You have offended God. And therefore, there needs to be an offering. And both, in the process of time, bring forth an offering to God. And it's, it's the occasion of this offering. It's, it's the occasion of God letting it be known that one offering is acceptable and the other's offering is not acceptable. God had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. It is that bit of new knowledge for Cain and Abel. It is, it is that introduction of God's choice of, of God making known whom and, and whose offering he prefers that really sets the stage for Cain rising up and slaying his brother Abel. Now, isn't that interesting? Because that does fit very well with what happened 
with the end of the church age. Both the wheat and the tares grew together. The saved and the unsaved were within the world's congregations and were there for century after century, living together, coexisting, and no one would dare say you're not saved or or you're a tear. No, you couldn't you couldn't make that kind of judgment. But then after growing together in the time of harvest, which which came at the end of the world, God opened up the scriptures to make known that he preferred certain ones and and did not prefer others that as he accepted certain individuals he did not accept others god made it known that some had the blessing and others did not and he did this through the mechanism of the end of the church age doctrine and that mechanism identifies with this mechanism in Genesis chapter 4 that took place in the process of time regarding these two offerings, God reveals which one is approved and which one he disapproves of, which is not something God always does or often does, but but in this case he did and and he also did it at the time of the end of the world. But we'll look more into this, Lord willing, in our next Bible study. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.